0: Welcome to The God Solution, a place where we discuss solid evidence for the Christian faith and interviews with leading Christian apologists. Each week, you'll be encouraged in your faith and equipped to defend it and share it in your daily life. You can find out more about The God Solution at Godsolutionshow.com. Welcome to The God Solution, where we discuss answers to humanity's questions about God and God's Answers for Humanity's Questions. I'm Nate Herbst, and I am thrilled that you're tuned back in again this week. Well, this week we're going to be talking about seven ways to undermine your message. And I want to encourage you to avoid these. A lot of times I hear eager apologists and energetic evangelists that absolutely undermine their message by doing these seven things. And as we think about being apologists, I hope that you agree with me that the focus is on helping people that God loves find our Savior. We're not in this just to win an argument. We're not in this just to clobber somebody with the truth. We are in this for people's eternities. We want to see people come to know the God of the universe in a real and personal way. We want to see people meet Jesus. So, We should be careful not to undermine our own message by the things we say and do. Unfortunately, many times people do some of these things, and these things undermine their message. So I wanted to talk today about the top seven ways to undermine your message. These include being insecure, insulting, insensitive, irritating, ignorant, illogical, and incoherent. Again, I'm going to give you those seven ways to undermine your message. They are being insecure, insulting, insensitive, irritating, ignorant, illogical, and incoherent. All of these are ways that we can undermine the message in just a quick second of doing these things. So there are things to avoid as we seek to reach people for Christ. And that's the whole point of apologetics. So I'm going to jump right into it and start with insecurity. Being insecure will undermine your message. You've probably heard me say on the show before that unconvinced apologists are unconvincing. Again, unconvinced apologists are unconvincing. You've probably seen people advertising things and thought to yourself, they are total fakes. You might have even seen commercials where they say not actors because we all know that fake doesn't sell. Unfortunately, a lot of times Christians, when we try to defend God's word, when we try to defend the gospel, we do it with a sense of insecurity that comes across as being fake. In fact, a lot of times I think people have this natural gut feeling that we're probably wrong or that the atheists might be right i hate to say this but there's some truth to it and i think there's even a core truth that a lot of times people really aren't convinced of the truth of what we're claiming in the first place i mean to be honest if we really were convinced of the things that we say we believe we would probably live a lot differently If we really did believe that loved ones were going to hell apart from Christ, we would probably be willing to have a somewhat awkward conversation with them. But if we're unwilling to have that awkward conversation, then probably it's an indication that we aren't completely convinced of what we say we believe. Penn Gillette famously, several years ago, said that if you really believe that hell is real and that non-Christians could be going there, or if you really believe that heaven is real and that people have the opportunity to go there and and you don't share that with your non-Christian friends, he goes, how much do you have to hate someone not to tell them that? How much do you have to hate someone not to tell them that? It was a powerful statement coming from an atheist, and he was telling Christians, if you really believe what you say you believe, you should be quick to share it with others. So I agree 100% we need to be quick to share what we believe, but we need to be able to do it with confidence, not in a place of insecurity. Again, unconvinced apologists are unconvincing. So if you have insecurity about what you believe, if you're afraid to talk about big hairy topics like evolution and truth and things like that, because maybe secretly way down deep somewhere you worry that they're going to say something that you can't answer, or you might even worry that the evidence is on their side. I want to encourage you, you have nothing to worry about. The evidence is not on their side. Secular humanists for about a century have pushed the misconception that skepticism is more logical than faith, and that faith and reason are at odds. Nothing could be further from the truth. I can tell you with 100% conviction that the things that we believe really are true. Jesus really did rise from the dead. The Bible really is the word of God. What God has called us to really is unique among all the faiths that have ever existed on this planet. We alone know the way to heaven and eternal life, and it's only through Jesus. Jesus promised us that. We do not have to be insecure about our message. And if we are insecure about our message, it will undermine our message. A lot of times we look at society around us and we think, oh my gosh, it is going so crazy. How could I stand up strong for the truth? I want to encourage you with what Spurgeon said to people that said the same thing decades and decades ago. He said, what have we to do with our times but to serve our God in them? And the call is the same to us today. We are not here so that we can live in insecurity, assuming incorrectly that the other guys are probably right or that we can't answer their objections. In all reality, we have every reason in the world to be confident. We are living in the golden age of Christian apologetics. There's never been the amount of evidence that we have today from so many different areas, from science, from philosophy, from history. We have things today that nobody's had before us as far as apologetics is concerned. We can be confident. We don't need to patronize skepticism. I've heard people say, well, I believe in theistic evolution. I go, why? Well, because it seems like the science says that. Well, I can assure you the science doesn't say that. What that statement is, it is patronizing skepticism because of insecurity. That's an insecure statement from someone that's never done their homework and looked at what does the Bible say about evolution and what does science say. That person has never realized that both those things say it ain't true. So they've insecurely patronized skepticism out of their own fear of being wrong. You guys, we don't need to do that. In Jeremiah 23, 29, God says, Is not my word like fire and like a hammer which shatters a rock? That's the kind of confidence that we can have in the word of God. And when we have that kind of confidence, we won't undermine our message. So being insecure will undermine your message. Get confident in God's word. Keep listening to this show. Keep reading good books and get yourself some strong confidence in what you really believe. And then... Act on it. Actually put into practice what you say you believe. Okay, number two. We can undermine our message by being insulting. I have to tell you an example that's very personal to me. Several years ago, we did a a debate with the Atheist Club at Fort Lewis College. They were the Secular Humanist Intellectual Thinking Society, is what they called themselves. And we debated them on the birthday of Darwin, on the topic of evolution. After the debate, a woman from the audience came up to me and said, I want to let you know that you were brilliant tonight and that the things you said were were pretty amazing. And I said, well, thank you. And then she said, but I also have to tell you that nobody in this room listened to you because you were such a jerk. (laughs) It was a very hard thing to hear. But she said, the way you treated the atheists that you were debating undermined everything you said. So it doesn't matter that you were brilliant tonight, because your personality and your behavior undermined it all. You guys, if we are insulting, we will undermine the message. Gregory Kokel writes this in his incredible book, Tactics. Jesus's teaching made some people furious. Just make sure it's your ideas that offend and not you, that your beliefs cause the dispute and not your behavior. It's too good to say it just once. I gotta reiterate this. Jesus' teaching made some people furious. Just make sure it's your ideas that offend and not you, that your beliefs cause the dispute and not your behavior. See, in 1 Peter 3.15, we are told, "...in your hearts set apart Christ as Lord." Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. We can't get away from that gentleness and respect. That is how we are to treat the people that we are defending the gospel to. We cannot undermine our message by being insulting. I've done that once before, probably other times too, and I will encourage you, never do that. It is far too important to reach these people for Christ, and we cannot afford to insult them. Many people do this, and it is not okay. I just have to tell you, be loving, be gentle, be respectful. Part of being insulting is being insensitive, and that's the third thing I want to talk about. Being insensitive will undermine your message. We are insensitive when we don't care about the person that we're talking to, when we aren't willing to hear them out, when we aren't willing to listen to them, when we dominate a conversation, when we speak over and interrupt, when we don't hear where somebody's coming from, when we don't take time to realize why they believe what they believe. We have to be caring enough and sensitive enough to give the people we talk to that level of respect. Otherwise, we undermine our message. James 1.19, speaking to Christians, says, My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. That's good advice for all of us in God's family about how we treat each other. But I want to propose to you that that's also good advice for how we treat the people that we try to defend the gospel to. We should be quick to listen to them. We should hear them out. You might just find that the reason that they're skeptical has nothing to do with the evidence. I think I've found that to be true about 95% of the time. I have never met an atheist that can provide evidence for atheism. Most of the time, they are an atheist because they were hurt by a Christian, or because they were abused by a relative, or because a church was mean to them. Those are the types of things that have very often driven people to atheism and skepticism. And if we go into a conversation and give those people our our true care and sensitivity and listen to them, we might just hear things that we never would otherwise. I remember a young lady, she was the girlfriend of a young man that I led to Christ, And she came to talk to us, and she said, I can't be a Christian because of evolution. And I said, well, I don't believe evolution is true, and I'd love to talk to you more about that if you're interested in hearing. She said, sure. So my wife and I had her over for dinner. And as we began talking about evolution, I started going through some of our evidence against evolution. It's actually included in the Best Facts book at the very end in the Tales acronym. We do the Tall Tales acronym. For why we can reject other faiths and naturalism and evolution. So we start going through some of that with her, and I just realize she is not even on the same page. She's looking around the room, no eye contact, she doesn't even understand the concepts that we're talking about. And it hit me, this lady doesn't have the faintest clue about evolution. Evolution is a smokescreen. There's something deeper here. So I decided, hey, we need to back off evolution and just talk to this young lady, see where she's coming from. Turns out she'd been horribly abused and in that had chosen not to believe in God. We told her that God loved her and that he did not condone her abuse and that he actually said those things were sin. This young lady began crying there in our living room and that night she put her faith and trust in Jesus Christ. If we would have just bulldozed her with arguments, we would have accomplished nothing. But when we were sensitive and willing to hear where she was coming from, we, we were able to get right through that smokescreen and to what mattered most. You guys, we got to remember that these skeptics are not our enemy. Second Corinthians 10, 3-5 says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So yes, it is important to do apologetics, but we also do it with the knowledge that our strongholds that we face are spiritual ones. They're not the people that we're talking to across the table. We need to look at those people and show them respect and realize that spiritual forces of evil are, are who we are fighting with. And so we do this with love. We do this with prayer. We approach those people with sensitivity. So being insecure will undermine your message, being insulting will undermine your message, and being insensitive will undermine your message. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The God Solution, you can find out more about The God Solution at godsolutionshow.com. Today I'm talking about the top seven ways to undermine your message. It's great to be solid in your apologetics, but if you do these seven things, you'll undermine all the preparation you've put into apologetics. The first three that we've talked about are being insecure, insulting, and insensitive. The fourth one is being irritating. A lot of times, apologists are irritating towards unbelievers. I got to remind you of 1 Peter 3.15. It tells us to do this with gentleness and respect. That doesn't sound like being irritating. I heard my least favorite apologist, who spent a decade in jail because of tax evasion, that alone tells you you shouldn't listen to him, right? He can't figure out that what Jesus said to give to Caesar what is Caesar's is true, and he ends up going to prison for a decade because of that. Well, anyway, this guy, I'm not going to name names, but I just have a hard time listening to almost anything he says. Terrible science, terrible understanding of God's word when it comes to how to obey the law. And he says things like this, God made Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. I remember seeing that on a video years ago. I almost couldn't believe it. This is true, of course, but it's condescending beyond belief. And it's the kind of statement that the second you say something like that, you've undermined your message. You have no credibility to talk to the person. It's true, but sometimes we can say true things in mean ways. And just because we're Christians doesn't mean that's okay. In fact, you'd never say something condescending like that to your spouse. At least you should never say something condescending like that to your spouse. I encourage you, we shouldn't be saying condescending things like that to those that we're trying to reach with the gospel. Let's be honest. A lot of people that don't know Jesus don't believe the same way that we believe. And instead of making fun of them for that, let's work with them with a commitment to being respectful and loving helping them see the truth by working through their objections in a respectful way, by helping them through their questions in a relational way. Don't undermine your message by being irritating. You guys, we need to stay focused on the positive, not the negative. I always tell our students that we should keep about 80% of our apologetics positive apologetics. And what that term refers to is the argument's For our faith. Instead of undermining others, we should keep most of our arguments on why we believe what we believe, not why the other guy is wrong. If and only if you have to address the other guys, I encourage you to keep that to maybe 20% of your apologetics. Now, in the Best Facts resource, and I got to encourage you to check out the Best Facts resource. You can go to thebestfacts.com Again, that's TheBestFacts.com, or just go to Amazon and search The Best Facts. That is our apologetics resource, and it is four words that are actually four acronyms. Each one of them stands for something. The BEST acronym gives you four solid arguments for God's existence. The FACTS acronym gives you five solid arguments for the Bible and why we should believe it. The TALL acronym gives you Four arguments for why we should reject other worldviews. And the TAILS acronym gives us a series of arguments for why evolution is false. The TALL TAILS acronyms are important, but only if those things come up. We don't start with that, we start with the evidence for our faith. We need to keep our message positive not so much focused on the negative. And when we have to go towards negative apologetics or explaining why the other side is wrong, we do that with gentleness and respect, not in a condescending and disrespectful way. You guys, while we're talking about not being irritating, I also want to mention, don't be awkward. A lot of times Christians are so awkward in the ways we act and the things we do, the Christianese words that we say, please, when you're talking with a non-Christian, don't be awkward. Be a real person. Sit down across the table with them. Get coffee. Talk to them like you would your neighbor. Talk to them like you would a friend. Let them know that you actually care about where they're coming from. And you might just find that you have a big open door To share the gospel with him. Now, I want to be careful. I'm not telling you that you have to develop that level of trust before you share the gospel. The gospel alone is the power of God unto salvation. I am saying don't undermine it by not having that respect that leads to trust. Be respectful. Okay, next is don't be ignorant. Being ignorant will undermine your message. Proverbs 18 17 says, The first to present his case seems right till another comes forward and questions him. There have been a lot of really bad apologists out there that have said some really, really, really stupid things. And those things might seem right until you talk to just your run-of-the-mill atheist that can easily shoot them all down. Okay? Don't assume that you know all there is to know or that all your current positions are solid. There are a lot of things in Christian apologetics that are not so solid. I'm not saying that the truth is in question here. I'm just saying make sure that you defend the truth, not your own little pet idea. Make sure that you're sticking to God's word, not some random interpretation of it. Let me give you an example. The same apologist that I mentioned a minute ago, I'm not going to mention his name, but he took an atheist joke about finding giant skeletons and he ran with it without checking put it all over the place that they had excavated skeletons of giants, okay? Then other Christians took this and ran with it, completely ignorant. It was a joke. None of it was true in the first place. And this guy demonstrated his ignorance to the whole world, and a lot of other Christians still quote him today. I have talked to people this year that quote that. Okay, we need to be a little more careful and not run with ignorant statements. Another famous one is the chariot wheels found in the Red Sea and all the pictures of them that probably you've already seen on the Internet. Complete bogus. We need to be careful not to just assume that certain things we've been told are true. Do our homework. That's important. Those are things that are are examples of being ignorant about our own side, but oftentimes we're also ignorant about the other side. I've heard people say, well, if entropy is true, evolution couldn't be true. Total misunderstanding of the concept of evolution. Evolution is false. I promise you it is. But that's not the argument against it. I've heard people say, well, if people evolved from monkeys, why are there still monkeys? Again, complete misunderstanding of evolution. Evolution is false, but that's a misunderstanding and ignorant perspective about evolution. A lot of times when Christians say things like that, they absolutely betray their ignorance and they lose all credibility with the person they're talking to. Let me tell you another thing to be ignorant about, and that's just reality. I've had three Christians in the last year tell me that they think the earth is flat. This is absolute insanity. And the second somebody says something like that, they've absolutely undermined their influence. That same guy is going to go tell... An evolutionist that he thinks evolution is wrong. So what's that guy think now? Well, you don't believe the earth is round. You must be wrong on evolution too. You guys, we need to not let ignorant beliefs undermine our message. The Bible is true. Evolution is false. God is real. Jesus rose from the dead. Don't let ignorant perspectives undermine those truths. Next is being illogical. Being illogical will undermine your message. Now, atheists do this. Let's not follow them in it. Dawkins says in The God Delusion that the universe is complex, and it's natural to see in complexity an implication of design. But we know there wasn't a designer, because if there was a designer, who designed the designer? Of course, he has an absolutely flawed understanding of the cosmological argument there because for anything to exist there must be something that is inherently self-existent he totally doesn't get that anyway he goes on to say darwinian evolution is a better answer than design of course again this is absolutely mistaken it's wrong then he goes on to say there's no such thing in physics there's no darwinian explanation in physics but there probably will be sometime. therefore god almost certainly does not exist What you got to recognize is most of his statements are illogical, but even if they were true, they wouldn't follow through to the conclusion that God doesn't exist or God almost certainly doesn't exist. He's being incredibly illogical. Unfortunately, a lot of times Christians do the same thing. They say things like this. Evolution is false. Okay, that's true. Therefore, Christianity is true. Whoa! Just because evolution is false doesn't mean Jesus rose from the dead. Now, I believe evolution is false, and I believe Jesus rose from the dead, but we got to be a little bit more logical in how we build those arguments. Guys, we have the mind of Christ, we're told in 1 Corinthians 2.16, and we are called to love God with all of our mind, Jesus tells us in Mark 12.30. God does not condone bad apologetics. We need to be logical in how we do this, and we need to do it with gentleness and respect. Okay, the last... Way to undermine your message is to be incoherent. Being incoherent will undermine your message. In 2 Corinthians 5.11, Paul says that we try to persuade men because we understand the fear of God. If we know who God is and we know who we are, then we're going to try to persuade men. It it goes without saying. And Paul did this in Athens. He did it everywhere. Athens is a great example. Acts 17.16-34, I've stood right where he preached this. And he does a great job of building bridges and presenting a coherent argument. So many times atheists fail to do this. They'll say things like, Christians are, don't have the evidence, therefore we're right. Oh, that's absurd. Maybe we don't have the evidence. I think we do, but let's just say we don't. That doesn't mean God doesn't exist. That doesn't mean atheism is right. So atheists do this. Let's not follow their bad example. Let's be coherent in our approach. I got to make a last plug for the best facts and the tall tales. This is a coherent approach. It starts with the evidence for God. And that is important because these are coherent logical arguments for God's existence. The beginning of the universe, the cosmological argument, the engineering of the universe, the teleological argument, standards and morality, the moral argument, watertight logical arguments. And then the truth about Jesus, God in human flesh all from history and irrefutable. And then the FACTS acronym. The Bible foretells the future. It's archaeologically accurate. It's coherent. It's translated correctly, and there's science in it that shows God's fingerprints on his word. All of that is coherent, and it's something that we should memorize and be able to to share with others. And then the tall tales if needed. I've said a whole lot today. Top seven ways to undermine your message— Be insecure, insulting, insensitive, irritating, ignorant, illogical, and incoherent. You do those things, I don't care how good your defense of the gospel, people aren't going to listen to you. If you can keep from doing those things, you will keep from undermining your message. Proverbs twenty-eight one says, The wicked flee, though no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. We have every reason in the world to be bold because what God tells us in His Word is absolutely true and we can stake our lives on it. Now, let's do that with gentleness and respect and let's not undermine our message. If you've never believed in Jesus as Savior and Lord, I beg you today, there's no reason not to. The evidence is overwhelming. He is who He says He is and He alone can offer you eternal life. Believe in Him as Savior and Lord today. Maybe even tell Him that right now in a prayer. Say, Jesus, I believe that you are who you say you are, that you died on the cross for my sins and rose again to give me eternal life. Today I ask you to be my Savior and my Lord. Well, if you do know Jesus as Savior and Lord, I encourage you to defend your faith and to do it without undermining your message. Do it with gentleness and respect. The people around you need to know about the hope that you have. So take the initiative. Trust the Holy Spirit to empower you like God promised he would in Acts eight. For bold evangelism share your faith with a neighbor a co-worker or a friend go to godsolutionshow.com get all of our past shows get tons of evidence if you feel you need to brush up on it and leave us a comment or two about what you think about the show while you're there i'm so glad you're listening i look forward to talking to you again next week until then remember that an open mind honest heart humble disposition and diligent search always lead to jesus You've been listening to The God Solution. We hope that you were encouraged by what you heard today and are better equipped to share Christ this week. You can get the audio from today's broadcast and all the past God Solution shows at godsolutionshow.com. Thanks for listening and being a part of The God Solution.